Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. today. We're continuing our sermon series called Unstoppable. It's the story of the church. It's based on the Acts of the Apostles, uh, written by uh, author and doctor and apostle, Apostle Luke. Um, Last week we were in uh, chapter 26. This was the beginning of Paul's trip to Rome. And we used the opportunity to take the scripture and apply it to our everyday storms of life. Uh, Because we see right as the chapter began, right as uh, Paul was on the ship along with some of his companions and the soldiers and, and the crew and the other prisoners, that they put to sea and the winds were were contrary. You know, the first portion of Paul's trips weren't too bad. They had these storm signs that were brewing, uh, but we find that before the journey ends, uh, they will um, be in some very, very tough seas, being tossed about, uh, letting the ship drive itself, as the scripture says. The ship was driving itself. Now, Paul had a good reason to have confidence that he was going to make it through because the Lord had given him a promise. Back a few chapters earlier in the Acts of the Apostles, it said that the following night the Lord stood near Paul, the Lord himself, and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify about me in Rome. So Paul had this promise. He knew that he was going to Rome, uh, but they weren't sure what was going to happen to the rest of the crew. And, and see, here's the thing. In our storms of life, we're not given that specific of a promise. You know, our promises are general. We will spend eternity with God. We are, we are saved by grace through faith. I mean, we have many, many promises about us, and ultimately, uh, we will be with the Lord. The Apostle Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But at the same time, there was no specific promise at that time that they were going to make it through this journey, that the ship wasn't going to be dashed uh, to pieces on the rocks and that all of the people would be, uh, would be killed. Uh, so the story was interesting last week because Paul had warned them uh, not to leave the harbor that they had arrived at. It was a harbor called Fair Haven. And I mentioned that Fair Haven was the name of one of the churches that my wife, Carol, and I, along with our children, attended for many years. Uh, uh, Fair Haven is another way of saying safe harbor. And Paul had told them to stay put where they were, uh, but they decided to venture out anyway against his objections. And we ended last week with verse 20 intentionally, where it said, um, neither sun nor stars were seen for three days and all hope was given up. And I ended it there because there are some times in life where things don't turn out as we expect. Things don't turn out exactly as we hope. We, we hope for better days, but, but sometimes those better days don't come. Um, and we have to be able to have the strength uh, of the Lord before we get into these storms to be able to see them through. So today we're going to just go back to the scripture. We're going to begin in chapter uh, 27 again, but we are in verse 21. And we're going to kind of go through straight through the end of the chapter. And again, as usual, I'll be breaking it up and giving some commentary as we go through and see what we can, we can learn from this teaching of the Apostle Luke. 
It says, but after long absence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of, the God, of God, of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore take heart, men, for I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Now it's interesting. Remember I said sometimes we're not given promises that we can hold on to, but here Paul is given a further promise that not only he, but all of those that are with him will be saved. And the scripture starts off, it says, a long abstinence from food. A long abstinence from food. Now, this is not fasting. Uh, this is just survival. This is survival. The, the poor condition of the ship being battered around, no doubt there was a lot of seasickness on it, and the people just didn't have the opportunity to eat. So it had been a long absence from food, and, and they were... They were fasting, even if they didn't want to. Uh, by the way, this word fasting is interesting. You know, today we fast from all kinds of things. We fast from social media, from Twitter, from Facebook. We we fast from radio or TV. Let me tell you, fasting all has to do with 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 food. Uh, the word fasting actually in the Hebrew uh, means to shut your mouth, to to shut your mouth. It gives you an idea of what fasting is about. Fasting always has to do with a change in diet. That doesn't mean you have to have a complete fast, no food or water, I wouldn't recommend that. But, but fasting from pleasant foods or fasting, uh, meaning reducing your calorie intake, uh, is, is pleasing to the Lord. It, it actually is, it helps build our faith. And this is not actually fasting, this is just doing without food. But I, it was a good opportunity for me to just mention that idea of fasting. It's just interesting. Paul says, "Men, you should have listened to me. You know, sometimes you just got to tell them what you told them before. You sh I told you that this was not going to end well. You should have stayed in Fairhaven. But fortunately, the Lord had come again. The angel had told him and strengthened him that not only would Paul be able to get to Rome, an earlier promise, but that all the men that were with him were going to be saved. So, now, why would the men listen to Paul? I mean, Paul is kind of a semi-celebrity anyway. I mean, people know he's the Apostle Paul. No doubt the, there were other Christians on board. Uh, definitely Luke and Aristarchus knows who he is. Uh, it said that uh, uh, the, the, uh, the, the Roman centurion uh, treated him kindly. His name was Julius. So, so Paul was kind of a semi-celebrity. But why would they listen to him? Well, actually, Paul had the experience. You know, in, in 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, and he wrote 1 Corinthians a few years before, he wrote this. He said, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I'd spent adrift in the sea. You know, what is three times shipwrecked? What does that make Paul? Well, let's do this as multiple choice. Let's do it as multiple choice, okay? So if you put your thinking caps on, I'm going to give a little quiz. Uh, Paul was shipwrecked three times before. What does this make Paul? A, fortunate. B, blessed, C, experienced, or D, cursed. Now, E is all of the above except D. Now, I learned a long time ago that when you have that kind of an answer, you take that. Yes, all of the above except D. He was fortunate, 
he was blessed, and he was also experienced. And as a result, he had, <laughs> he had all the reason, especially with the angel telling him he was going to make it through, to be able to, to take over, to be able to be the leader of this group of 276 souls that are on this ship that's being tossed around in the middle of the, of the Mediterranean Sea. So Paul starts off with good news. He says, we're going to make it. Uh, the bad news is, however, we're going to run aground. The ship's not going to make it. So that's good news for everybody but the owner of the ship. But Paul is, is uniquely qualified to give him hope. And the reason is, is because he has a, a prophecy from God, a word from the Lord that came from an angel. Um, it, he said, there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. So Paul knew he was going to survive. The angel had given him assurance as well that the rest of the crew would make it at all. Now, notice that the angel um, started off by saying, do not be afraid. Uh, you know, it's interesting that angels begin their conversations with these words, do not be afraid. And, and I think there's a couple reasons for that. One, just seeing an angel is going to make you tremble. Um, but, but they see it. We see it so often. In the New Testament, for example, in Matthew, the angel told Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary. Um, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, Gabriel tells Mary, do not be afraid, you have found favor with God. In, in Matthew, uh, God, the angel shows up and tells the shepherds, do not be afraid, I bring you good news. So the angels, even in the Old Testament, back in the Old Testament, the angel Gabriel appeared to the Old Testament prophet, I believe it's in Daniel 2, and he says, fear not. So, so the, this idea of don't be afraid is a, is a good thing for the angels to start with. But then I, I believe that, that the reason for it to be afraid is because you're getting direct revelation from God. And, and let me tell you, my friends, I think that's a fearful thing. When God is telling you specifically what's going to happen at some time in the future, that's a, that's a very fearful thing. It, it changes who you are. It changes what you're going to do. You start seeing the world from a different place. And that can actually be very, very scary to be the only one in the crowd that actually knows what the outcome of a situation is going to be. Before we leave this section, I want to take note that Paul said this. He said, I believe God. I believe God. The angel had told him something, and Paul says, I believe God. Now, that's significant because, you know, there's a lot of people that say, I, I believe in God. But to believe God means that we believe the promises of God. We believe what the, what the Bible has to say about our condition, our sinful condition, our, our opportunity for hope in Jesus and eternal life. That's I believe God. Um, now, we should be able to believe God. You know, the, the book of, of the, the Bible is actually all prophecy. It's been given to us by, by God. It's prophetic. Um, few of us have a direct revelation from God, either the angel Gabriel or, or something like we've seen happen to Paul. But all of us have the opportunity to pick up the Bible and read it and believe God. Not believe in God, but believe God. Believe what he has to say about our future about our redemption, about eternal life. Actually, you know, the Bible says that the Word of God is actually more sure than prophecy itself. Did you know that? It does. Listen to what, this is what it says in, in 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1 says this, And we have the more sure word of prophecy, to which you all do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns, and the morning star arises. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture 
becomes a matter of someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by a human act of will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. That's speaking of the Bible, the Bible that you have in your house, the Bible that you can pick up at any time and read through is a more sure word of prophecy, even than the prophecies that, that Paul is receiving. We don't just believe in God, we believe God. Therefore, Paul says, take heart. Take heart. You know, this is the, this is the message that Paul has. This whole, uh, when Paul went preaching the gospel to the, to the Gentiles, his message was a message of, of hope, uh, of salvation, that they could be, they could be saved, that they could be set free from the, the law of sin and death, that they could trust in Jesus, the Messiah, this Messiah that came not only to the Jewish people, but was available as well to all men and all women of any nation, of any tribe, of any tongue, they all could have faith and hope in Jesus Christ. This is what Paul's, uh, this was what Paul preached. It was, uh, it was very easy for him to talk to these men on the ship and say, uh, have hope, have hope. That's what Paul preached all the time. Let's continue. Verse 27 says this, it says, Now when the fourteenth night had come, as we were driven up and down the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors sensed that we were drawing near some land. And they took soundings and found it to be twenty fathoms. And then they had gone a little further, they took soundings again and found it to be fifteen fathoms. Then, fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff into the sea, under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay on the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall down. Verse 33, and as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, today is the 14th day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is your, for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and also took food themselves. And in all, we were 276 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lighted the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. You know, the, so this passage starts by saying after 14 days. Now that's a long time to be at sea in the middle of a storm. Can you imagine 14 days? I mean, my wife and I were on a, on a cruise ship and it happened to be coming back from Mexico. And it, it got tossed around a lot. And, and I say that because it's so unusual. We've taken a number of cruises and, and literally we hardly feel any movement at all. And the very next day, we, we actually saw some of the crew members, members of the crew that had been sailing for 20 years. And they said, we'd, we'd never experienced anything quite like that, quite like that, the ship just bouncing around like a cork in the sea. Well, this was 14 days, and this wasn't a cruise liner. This was a much smaller ship. They had 276 people on board, and that ship was bouncing around. Remember last week we said, we let the ship, the, the scripture said, we let the ship drive. What does that mean? It means the ship was going where the ship wanted to go. They would no longer had any control of it at all. Now, most likely by this time, after Paul had told them that, this is 14 days later, most likely Paul had received a battlefield commission. 
<laughs> a battlefield commission. He had been promoted most likely to captain of the ship. We don't hear anything more about the captain of the ship. We hear about the soldiers. We hear about the, um, the, 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 the sailors. We hear about the centurion and Paul, but we don't hear anything more about the captain of the ship. And I believe it's because Paul's kind of taken that leadership position. He's, it's kind of a battlefield commission uh, that he's been promoted. Um, he's definitely the leader, that's, that's for sure. Uh, verse 28 says, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for a day to come. I love those two things. You see, they did what they knew they could do, but then they, they prayed as well. They, they did what they could do, but they, then they prayed as well. You know, God may have given you a vision at some time about something that would happen, that, that you would receive good news. You know, for example, God may have given you a, a picture or a vision of a person that you would marry. But here's the thing, you still had to date her. I mean, you still had to date her. You still had to go through the process. You know, God clearly called me to, to be a pastor. I could see that. I, 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 it was the only kind of special revelation I ever received was that this is what I was supposed to be doing, was to be teaching the Word of God. You know, but, but I still needed to study. I still needed to go to school. I still needed to apply for those jobs that would give me the opportunity to, to preach and to be a pastor. St. Augustine once re was reported as quoted as saying this. Uh, St. Augustine said, pray as though everything depended on God, work as though everything depends on you. I, I love that combination of work and prayer. So these sailors, they dropped some anchors fearing that they would be driven into the rocks. And, and even though that would happen, they wanted to be sure they did it at daylight uh, so they could see what was happening. And then they prayed for daylight, that's verse 29. You know, it was, I have no doubt that it was Paul and Luke and Aristarchus that was leading the prayer. Uh, but it's obvious that these sailors also um, got down on their hands and knees. Some of these prisoners as well got down on their hands and knees. Maybe they had never prayed before, but they would pray. There's, a, there's an old saying that there's no atheists in foxholes. Well, I think that could be extended to there's no atheist on a sinking ship as well. So they prayed. Now, verse 30 tells us something interesting. It's almost like a little mutiny that's going on. The scripture tells us that the sailors, now it could be all of them or some of them, pretended, isn't that interesting? Pretended to be lowering anchors from the bow of the ship, from the prow, it says, from the front of the ship. But actually, the intention was to leave, to leave in one of the lifeboats, one of the skiffs. Now, Paul told them, told the, told the soldiers that they can't do that that part of the angel's plan was that they all stayed together. We weren't told that initially, but this is obviously part of the angel's plan, that these men have to stay together. Notice, they obeyed the sailors. They obeyed what Paul was telling them to do. Uh, that's Captain Paul, by the way. So we're told that their prayer was answered, and the day dawn, and Paul tells, um, tell, says, tells us that it had been 14 days, 14 days that they, they'd been uh, tossed about. And it's obvious that the storm is subsiding at some point because Paul's able to get them together and they have a meal. They have a meal. Now, what's, what's interesting, what's interesting here is that the meal in many ways uh, resembles what we know of as a, as a communion service. Communion service. Let me, let me read the words again. It says, it says, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat, and they were encouraged. You know, I'm sure for the Christians on board, this reminded them, even if it wasn't a communion service, it definitely felt like the Lord's table. And they took nourishment, and they were revived as well. Now, 
What's, what's interesting is that uh, we are told exactly how many people are on board, 276 souls. You know, finally, uh, Dr. Luke tells us in this passage that they lightened the ship. They threw out the wheat into the sea. Now, the, the wheat was their cash crop. That was, uh, that was what was paying for the trip. The passengers paid their fares, but the reason the ship was traveling was probably because it had a large quantity of, of wheat, and they threw the wheat into the sea, meaning that, you know what, uh, all hope is lost now. There's no, there's no possibility of having a cash crop here. Um, you know, uh, Houston, I think we have a problem, right? I mean, there's, there's no going back. They're, they're going to try to survive any way they possibly can. You know, I remember years ago, um, I used to travel up to Juneau, Alaska. That's the capital of Alaska. And I, and I would get up there uh, on business and, and do business with the treasurer and a few other people in Alaska. And one of the times when I was coming back, I decided to take a, a milk run on Alaska Airlines. A milk run is, a, is a, a, a flight that stops at a lot of different stops. Instead of a direct flight, you, you stop at all these different interesting places. So we took off from Juneau. We stopped in Sitka and Petersburg and Ketchikan before we landing in Seattle. And the reason I bring it up is because I think it was in Ketchikan, I noticed that uh, we got off the back of the, uh, back of the airplane. That's where our entrance was. But up where first class usually was, it was blocked off. And actually, the top of the plane opened up, almost like a boxcar that was hauling grain. And they, they brought in a huge metal container. And I found out from one of the flight attendants that what they were doing is they were bringing salmon. And, they were, and the salmon was flying first class. And it was interesting because the, the flight attendant said, yeah, but the, the salmon are actually paying for your flight. See, it's the, that was the cash crop. Just, as, just in Paul's day, the wheat was the cash crop. The passengers were extra, but the cash crop was the wheat, and they had thrown the wheat into the sea. So let's continue. We're almost done. Uh, Paul and his shipmates will be shipwrecked on, on Malta, and we'll end with these verses. Verse 39. It says, when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go the anchors and left them in the sea. Meanwhile, loosening the rudder ropes, and they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore. But striking a place where the two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable. But the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should sw jump overboard first and get to land, and the rest, some on boards and some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. You know, so what we see here, first of all, is that what Paul told, told them of what God had told Paul, what the angel had told Paul, actually comes to pass. That all of them are saved, all of them get to land. Some have to swim, some have to kind of buddy up and go with the broken pieces of the ship. But the ship was lost. So what Paul prophesied actually came to place. Now, Dr. Luke at the beginning says that they didn't recognize the land, but we know later that what the land is, is, is Malta. Where they landed is now called St. Paul's, of course, St. Paul's Bay. Now, now, my wife and I have had a trip. We were on a ship, uh, a cruise liner, and we stopped there. We were on a cruise in the Mediterranean. It's a wonderful cruise, so it was kind of a cruise of a lifetime. And we stopped at a number of ports in the Mediterranean. Now, Malta, of all the places we stopped, was the most unique. 
You know, Malta is actually an island, not off of, just off of Sicily, but it's really considered an African island. And much of the geography and the rocks look very much like the northern coast of Africa. It's also very European. It's really now part of the EU. In 2008, they joined the EU, and they also have the euro as their official currency. Interesting about Malta also, it's the most Christian nation in Europe. More than, Europe, more than Italy, more than France, it's the most Christian nation in Europe with over 95%, 95% of the people on Malta being Roman Catholic. So let's finish up. And we'll see here also a very common Roman soldier practice. And the soldier, it said that the soldiers would have killed the prisoners lest any of them would escape. Well, the soldiers knew that the penalty in Rome, if you were a soldier trusted with guarding the prisoners, if you let the prisoners escape, the guard that let them escape would face at least the punishment of what the prisoner. So it says that the centurion wanting to save Paul kept them from their purpose. Remember that Paul, that God gave uh, Paul favor in the eyes of the centurion. You know, let me tell you, going through life, there's nothing better than God giving you favor in the eyes of the people around you. Having favor is wonderful. Joseph had favor with Pharaoh and ended up running that. Daniel had favor as well with Nebuchadnezzar and ended up being number two in the kingdom. Pray sometimes for favor, not for yourself, but so that the word of God in your ministry would be, would be encouraged. Let me pray. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord, for this lesson today in chapter 27. You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.